In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hello, friends. Welcome into In the Lab. Waving his waggly hands is my good pal, John Harris. I'm Drew Doherty. We're happy that you're with us today. John, how you been, bud? I'm doing very, very well. I I don't know if the, the people can see my wall decoration. This is really, it's not me. We had an intern by the name of Nick Patterson, who is absolutely awesome. And during COVID, he was part of tier two, which I was too, and Tyler Sutter. So I'm in the part that was his office. So I'm not bothering Suds on the other side while he's doing his work. Oh, so that's why that's why I'm in here. So my friends from Texags were like, "Dude, you gonna start throwing Mardi Gras beads up after a little <laughs> bit?" I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't see it, but yeah, you know, it's cool. It's it gives it it gives it a vibe, as the kids say nowadays. Yes, a vibe. Yeah, we talked. You know, I wrote a little blurb about the vibe in the Texans locker room on the training fields, based off of what we heard from Britt, Justin Britt, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And KPL last week, Ken Pierre Lewis, a linebacker who comes to the Texans from Washington. These guys have been around. Um, they actually played together in Seattle, which was where Britt spent yeah. his entire career before missing last season. And while I don't want to go deep into each of their careers as as a uh, as like a conversation today, I do want to talk about like there is a different idea uh, around the Texans because there's so many new faces. You know, and yeah. I don't want to get too far into culture because I think culture is important, but I think culture is overplayed sometimes. You know, there's there, you're never going to see a Super Bowl champion that's uh, culture, culture. It's an actual team. You know, players <laughs> yeah. win titles, good right. players win titles. So culture can be important, but I think if you have good players and you get all that stuff figured out, that's that's way more important. But they're pumped, and it's fun seeing this coaching staff and who's on it. You've got guys who've had success as head coaches in Lovey Smith. Romeo Cornell is an advisor now, but he's around and he's, he's helping yeah. out. Cully's obviously the man in charge. But like, for example, John, yesterday I was doing some research because mm-hmm. I was doing a little, little listicle thing on mm-hmm. Robert Prince, the wide receivers coach. Yeah. And there is a phenomenal article that was written last September-ish. And then it was republished December 24th, I think, when uh, Prince had to take over and, and be the interim coach yeah. for the Lions on Christmas Eve because of COVID. But he was nicknamed by the Detroit receivers, the CEO, the chief energy officer, because they yeah. said he'd go into the the, lot, the weight room and he would do muscle up. So like, if you don't know what a muscle <laughs> up is, this is a chin up or a pull yeah. up. I'm sorry. Chin ups like this, you know, you're just getting your chin above the bar. Muscle ups are like you're going all the way up and you're getting your, your whole body above the bar. And he's doing that. And he's very, very serious. He was getting on guys like Danny Amendola, Galladay, uh, Marvin Jones, guys who've been around and he made them better. Yeah. They've all said that to a man. So you have like a 150 yard receiving day. He's going to be on you about why you should have had 215 because of this, this, and this. It's a very interesting makeup of coaches. He coached in Japan, in Tokyo back in the mid and late 90s. This guy's been around. They've seen things. So it's going to be going to be really interesting to see how this all translates, you know, if it does, to success on the field in the fall. I think one of the things I've always – I've thought this about coaching. It's funny. I, I, like, I really come up with this philosophy. But it hit me. I, I was a head coach in, in Florida, and I went to a clinic, and it was run by a friend of mine's dad, who I've gotten to be friends with over the years, uh, Larry Zerline. 
And Larry yeah. was the offensive line coach at uh, University of Cincinnati. And I hadn't seen Coach Z in years. And I was so proud because now I was a head coach and I was going to go see him at, the, at this clinic that he was speaking. And so he was speaking on a Friday night and everybody else was speaking on a Saturday. And this was not – they were just trying to get this clinic off the ground. And so they had uh, a few guys speaking. And I just remember going in and Coach Z was – uh, drawing up a, a, a gap play, which is kind of like a kind of like a power play, but with a kind of little nuance different uh, with a gap play because your gap and power used a lot um, as nomenclature, kind of similar. And so he goes through this, and as he's going through it, he's talking about, well, you know, when I had when I had this sort of offensive lineman, here was a little wrinkle we used because he couldn't do this, but he could do this. But then we had this offensive lineman. And he wasn't really good at this, and he was sort of shorter, so we invented this technique. And he talked about all the different things they did because all the different players that he had been around. Well, the next day, I went to go see – it was a defensive line coach at a major Power 5 university. And he was just talking about defensive line, and he put up this video of an All-American player, a guy who would end up going in the, in the pros as a first-round draft pick, and he's showing the different – skills um and the different things that he could do technique wise and i'm watching it going well, i don't have everybody like that guy i don't have anybody like that guy and as he continued going on he would talk about the things that he would do in large part because he had that guy and i'm like but well, wait a second yeah i'm not i don't have that i got you know and that's what made me think of coach z the next day because he had been at tulane he'd been at cincinnati he didn't have the five-star players they had to develop guys from what they had and took what they had and give it to players. And once coach Z got to the NFL and he could take some of those things that he learned and he could put it with that talent all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, that's a, that's a pretty good marriage. But this coach is basically putting up like, well, yeah, just do it like this. Well, yeah, you can do that with that guy. He's amazing. But if that's all, you know, then you're never going to be able to coach your way out of paper bag. And so that's why I love seeing coaches that have different experiences that they can bring to it, whether it's in a different league, whether it's with different types of players, they can take that and then add it to their coaching repertoire and end up being an instructive um, asset for those particular players, as opposed to, well, you know, let's just roll out the balls and play because you guys have better talent than everybody else. So I love, love, love coaches that have been around and they've seen the best and they've seen the worst. And so they can adapt based on what they've seen before. And a guy with such a traveled history, some people are like, well, he's never in the same place year after year. But in the end, what that does is it makes that coach that much more adaptable to the situation that he's going to see not only in the same building year to year, but for in the league year to year, because it's going to change uh, every single year. So you know, I, I love seeing that. I love CEO. That's a good one. I want to jump on that. You just bring that up. So you're talking about, well, you're talking about coaching in general, but for example, Prince, he has, like you said, been around to a lot of different spots. Now, Detroit was where he was the longest. He had been there since 2014, and right. he stuck there. That's a long time. That's it's really it. It's different than his record because he was there through three different ownerships, uh, through you know three different coaches. He was hired by Caldwell, yeah. um, stuck stuck through um, through all that through that, that coaching change. But before that, he had bounced around. He'd been to Boise, Colorado State. Portland. I mean, he basically did a tour of the, the whole upper Northwest, the great Northwest. Yeah, he was like yeah. Lewis and Clark boiled into <laughs> a, a football coach. You know, he's yeah. from California. He, he grew, he was born in Okinawa, lived his first seven years there. So he had been around and then 
found stability these last few years. And it was fascinating to see. And then talking about offensive line, because you just brought up Coach Zerline. Well, the new offensive line coach is James Campen. Spent an eternity in Green Bay. I think there might be only one other assistant coach who was ever there for a longer duration than he was, than Campen was when I was doing the research on him. And I mean, think about it. Who's his, uh, who's the signature name that he coached probably on the offensive line? David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari, yep. David Bakhtiari wasn't the second or third overall pick of the draft, was he, John? No, he, he wasn't even close. I don't know what his overall position was, but I know he was drafted in the fourth round. So you're and talking by, at least. And by no means am I saying. And by no means am I saying. And by no means am I saying that, oh, Bakhtiari is who he is solely because of camp. He's not. You know, right. you give the credit to Bakhtiari, but. You got to think Campen played a little bit of a role in it and could no doubt. maybe accentuate some of the stuff that he's got to work with here, perhaps. No doubt. I, I mean, Bakhtiari was, was 109 overall. And look, that was probably a combination of teams going, well, I don't know. I don't see the athleticism. <laughs> I don't know. And then you get a guy like that falls in the fourth round. But I, I, I guarantee you, you sat with David Bakhtiari and you said, hey, what did James Campen mean to your development yeah. i would imagine you get a you get a pretty good earful and that's the thing when you look at the the packers over the years that that camping was there they did not put a first round second round emphasis much of the time if at all on offensive linemen i, I remember jason spriggs was drafted and i can't remember i think he was late was he first round second round i can't remember i think he was second he's second round pick but he was about the only one I can remember that was a high pick that really didn't pan out. But as like TJ Lang, Corey Lindsley, Bakhtiari, those guys all really developed mm-hmm. under James Camp. And, you know, Brian Belaga was another guy. Now he was a first yeah. rounder, but he was another guy that developed and was the rock on that right side where Bakhtiari was over on the left side. So that's the thing that I, I love to see. And it kind of goes back to my thought with Coach Z was just about how you develop these players because – What's going to work and just and think about our offensive line for a second. Larry Tunsil could probably do anything athletically that any offensive lineman in the league can do, yep. that any lineman can do. He's going to be different from Titus. So a technique that could work for Laramie may not work for Titus. Now, there might be some things for Titus because Titus is, I think, a little bit more powerful. There might be some technique that Titus is going to be able to use that maybe Laramie doesn't a user isn't effective using. So as a coach, you've got to be able to, to say to those guys, you can't say off the cross, across the board, well, my two tackles should be using these different techniques or these techniques. No, the, one might do one thing, one might do the other. The magic of coaching is knowing that, okay, I'm getting the max out of them and they're doing it the way that makes sense for them and that makes sense for the team. And that's what I love in a coach. And that's what Coach Z basically taught me that night was, you're not going to have all the same guys. You can't block this all the same way. You can't do this all the same way. And I've kind of filtered that through to kind of everything that I that I do. And it really helped me as a coach and as a teacher to realize, okay, that that kid doesn't learn like this one does. This yeah. one likes visual. It's even like my own kids. You know, my son yeah. wants to do everything in his head. My daughter wants to write everything down and trying to help them, especially math, because that was my my subject, trying to help them and figure out what worked. That's the magic. And when you've been around, when you've seen, when you can, you know, think back to, man, what did I do with that? Oh, man, we had that receiver at Humboldt State back in 87. and he <laughs> Which is where Prince played and coached a little bit. Oh, was it Humboldt State? Really? Yeah, 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 he started. I just at, happened uh, to, I, 
He started at San Bernardino I, Valley College, played there two years, and then went to Humboldt State, finished his playing career there. And then he was like a GA, I think, right out of college or shortly thereafter. So Weird trivia fact. I, don't, I think Humboldt State's football program shut down a few years ago after they had Alex Kappa, I believe. Huh. Now, they, can, they could have come back. I'm not totally sure. But I, I want to say that they closed the program down. Maybe they came back. Um, yeah, their last season was 2018. I think Alex Kappa was either that year or the year before. And now mm. he's playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Either way, the point being, God, why did Humboldt State come up? Because um, of him, he's that's where he's, he probably had seen that. Yeah, at some point. yeah, yeah. I've probably seen it some some point. Anyways, the point being, you can refer back to some player that was too short, too small, too slow, too to something, but yeah. you got something out of him. And out of you know him or her, depending on what sport you coach, and that you can apply and say, hey, wait a second, you know, when I had this guy, you know, I had this player, we did this with them, and I think that's the that's the point of having experienced coaches um, that have been around and seen some different things, and and obviously camping, getting away from Green Bay for a few years, seeing some different things, and now bringing it to the Texans and hopefully getting that production out of them. And that's it's such an important part of the coaching business because. We're not all blessed with guys, you know, five guys like Laramie. You know, I could go yeah. out and coach Laramie like, hey, Laramie, go block him. And he'd be like, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we'd love for it to be that easy, but it right. is not. But, you know, hopefully, you know, our listeners will get the point, And that is when you have different experiences and you're not blessed with all those players and that talent, you got to find a way to do it. You got to find a way to get it done. And Campin's gotten it done. Robert Prince has gotten it done. And hopefully they'll get it done here over the Texas. Amen. All right. It's always good talking with you, John. And I can't wait to do it again. This has been In the Lab, and we'll be back again next Tuesday.